Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett, Editorial Director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show as we uh, pick up on all the big trends. Another busy week. We've got a great guest this week, Sean O'Neill, who's president of Onclusive, going to come talk to us about comms tech. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. Thank you, Steve. Good to have you on the show and our regular correspondent, Frank Washcook, my co-host, our executive editor. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Busy week, isn't it? It might be summer, but we're, we're still beavering away at old PR Week Towers or, or even, indeed our domestic towers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've got the Hall of Fame event this week. We've got our Purpose Awards uh, deadlines. We've we're, doing our weekly um, edition on a Thursday a bit earlier in the week now because we've started Summer Friday, so a few programming notes there. But anyway, Sean, let's get on and chat to you. Tell us a bit about Onclusive because it was formerly known as AirPR and then it was uh, uh, became a, a new company following an acquisition. Talk us through it and how things have uh, developed since that acquisition in 2019. Sure. You know, thanks, Steve. Yeah, a little bit of background on, on us. So Onclusive's actually been around for 10 or so years. Uh, for the first chapter of the business, we were called AirPR. So some folks uh, may remember us as, as uh, AirPR. Um, and, and then, yes, as you mentioned, Steve, uh, back in 2019, we acquired a San Francisco-based technology company, which broadened our capabilities, and we just used that as an opportunity to, to rebrand the company to Onclusive. Um, and uh, the, the, the concept behind the name uh, Onclusive, by the way, is that it means that we are inclusive in everything that we're seeing around the media uh, and also helping you draw a conclusive um, uh, point of view and, and coming to conclusions. So that's a little bit about the the plan words named there on inclusive. But the one thing that hasn't changed over the last decade is really our our, our vision uh, for the communications industry and, and what our mission is. Um, you know, the company was was really founded on this idea that you know uh, communications and, and and the content that's being generated by the communications team uh, is actually the company's most valuable content. Right. When you think about earned media and, and how trusted and influential it is, um, certainly compared to commercials and paid advertising, um, you know, the reality is that, that your PR team, um, you know, is responsible for and deserves the credit for generating your company's most valuable content. Um, the problem is. Um, it's very difficult to prove that, right? That value has actually been... To, never been able to measure it properly, have that's, we? That's, that's exactly right. So the, the proof points have been elusive for, for many, many years. Um, and uh, as a result, you know, I think, uh, frankly, that the communications and PR functions have been undervalued and underinvested in. But more importantly, they've not had the same sort of set of tools and, and data that... Um, you know, other marketing functions that have to to really improve their performance as well. Um, and when you think about the digital transformation that, you know, the rest of marketing has gone through over the last 15 to 20 years, which has been, of course, catalyzed through data and technology, um, it has not only um, helped them uh, drastically improve their performance and drive more growth for their organizations, but it's also changed the way that 
the marketing functions perceived within organizations today, right? The CMO, you know, a decade ago was one of the least tenured executives in the organization. You know, now they're one of the longest tenured executives in the organization. They're no longer just thought of as a cost center. Marketing is considered to be a growth driver. Now, the, the reality is... It is, uh, Sean, but we did actually, our sister title campaign did a CMO 50 list this week, and it's still 40 months, I think, the average tenure of a, a chief marketing officer. So that's still a, that's still a challenge in their area. And that's with, a, if you look at, I guess, MarTech, that's more of a billion-dollar industry, whereas ComsTech has, has traditionally been more, a sort of a... Um, I don't know. You tell me. Is it a five, five, four or five billion dollar industry these days? I'm getting my numbers wrong. Hundred nope. billion dollar for Martech and about Correct. four or five billion for uh, Comstech. Um, what? Tell us how your products, because you're the, you're like the, the modern face of media monitoring, aren't you? And data science. Give us an example of a way that you are now monitoring media coverage in a way that makes it more effective for that chief communications officer to go to their C-suite and say, look, this is what the value of this is, and this is what it's doing for us. Yep, no, that, and that's exactly right. So at this point, and yes, Steve, I, I appreciate that uh, description. I do think that we've been on the forefront of, of of sort of modern technology in the space. And at this point, it's fairly obvious that there is just a, now a general trend in the communications industry of embracing data science and artificial intelligence. And while terms like AI and machine learning and natural language processing you know, can range anywhere from buzzy to outright opaque, the, yeah. bottom, the bottom line, practical matter, is that technology um, you know, is in the process of transforming the way that communications teams are planning, executing, and measuring their work. And now, yes, there are fairly advanced software applications to assist in actually every aspect of that workflow, right? So some of the very specific benefits that technology are bringing, I'd say a couple areas. One is automation, right, which just doesn't sound as sexy, but simply put, Machines are now able to accurately and efficiently perform tasks, which historically required large groups of humans to execute. Uh, and frequently, you know, now with superior results, right? So a couple of examples. Um, first is in the area of, of media analysis, right? Um, you know, if I'm a reasonably sized organization that receives you know, even a moderate amount of press coverage or or let's say I'm an early stage company who has some major event like an IPO. In any given time period, I could have received hundreds, if not thousands of press mentions. And, and you know, given the continued expansion, I mean, the explosion of digital media, blogs, influencers, et cetera, right? Um, you know, many of these mentions could be occurring in really small, obscure outlets, and so, of course, the first challenge is, you know, monitoring all of these mentions, right? But the bigger job is reading every article, interpreting every article, helping to understand the nature of all that coverage. And in this fragmented digital media world that we're, we're living in, it, it's nearly impossible to do this manually any longer, right? Without, of course, sacrificing some large swath of that coverage, um, and with the army of human readers you would need to perform this analysis, you're sure to have inconsistency across the analysis. So this is where AI comes in, right? The automation frees up those PR professionals from all that route work 
lets them focus on what they're really good at, which is telling stories. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and Frank is convinced that we're all going to be replaced by <laughs> robots. Um, what, what do you think about that? And, you know, is this just going to be a, a, an excuse to cut costs? And how do you ensure that the humans have still got a, a viable role and are adding proper value on top of the AI, which is, of course, allows you to do things you couldn't do before in terms of scale and quantity? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and I sort of describe most of what that process is as route work. Um, you know, uh, it, it actually is not leveraging the, I would say, the best of the PR person, right? The talents of the PR person is not, you know, counting mentions and dumping that information to a spreadsheet and putting that, you know, that into a pivot table and creating a chart and dropping it into a PowerPoint report, right? That, honestly, that's that's just not the highest and best use of, of of most of the folks in this industry. What what really I think we all wanted to do, and why we got into the business, and what we enjoy spending our time doing is, you know, developing the strategy, coming up with the narrative, you know, crafting the story, pitching the story, partnering with the media to you know to to tell the story in in the right way. Um, you know, and actually like adding value to our, our brand and, and boosting our brand's reputation. So the, the counting of, of, of article mentions and sort of the interpretation uh, of a large swath of media, you know, to the extent that we can actually take that burden away from, you know, the, the communications team and just give them back more time and bandwidth to, again, focus on storytelling. I think I think that's a value add. And, and the things that they will be focused on cannot be automated right now, right? But the mach machines don't yet feel feel emotions, right? And emotion, of course, is the heart of every great story. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of what the the, the automation is doing right now, I just say, is is really liberation for the most part, right? So we hear we hear the term augmented uh, intelligence now. Um, is the augmented part really the human part, or is that that uh, machine run as well? Well, it depends, right? And so, you know, the machines can be augmenting what the humans are doing and vice versa, by the way, because the machines may deliver 80% of the analysis, but we frequently see, you know, there's then an additional layer of human interpretation, right? There's always going to be some amount of human analysis, um, which is, you know, not just what was the uh, ec uh, the extraction of the of, of the information, but you know, what does it mean and why and what do I do with it next? Um, and that's the strategic part, which, you know, uh, the humans are still, you know, <laughs> uh, exclusively able to do. Uh, and so we still even see, you know, even though we may have automated a lot of the reporting and a lot of the sort of, you know, general interpretation, um, you know, there's still this this need for that that augmentation of, of really the human insights and the human analysis. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the big, big uh, things happening in the world of MarTech is the cookies, the whole issue around cookies and yeah. the, the fact that they're going to disappear, you know, within yeah. a year. And that's a massive, uh, has massive implications for digital advertising. Yes. Um, are there any implications for uh, comms tech uh, and communicators? And if so, what are they? Yeah. Well, so first of all, let me just say that generally what's happening with the way that you know, cookies um, are being reevaluated in the way that, you know, there's more focus on privacy, tighter privacy settings, a lot of proactive measures to to sort of move away from sort of, you know, what, what has been the dominant form of advertising for really a very long time now, which is this, 
you know, this, this, this cookie based advertising. I think that generally is going to result, and we've already seen, I think, a lot of steps towards this, uh, uh, result in a flight to context, a flight back to context, and let's call it contextual marketing. Um, and, and so I actually think you know, the greatest form of contextual marketing ever is, you know, is communication. Yeah. And, 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 and earned media is already, I think, you know, has been well established as being the most trusted form of contextual marketing and editorial. So in many ways, I think that what's happening with, you know, cookies and how, you know, that whole sort of, you know, programmatic advertising ecosystem is going to have to rethink and, and reform. Uh, I think in many ways it's going to create a new opportunity for for the communications organization and just generally put uh, you know in 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 my prediction put PR and and put earned media uh, much more at the forefront because you know we're now not just trying to target cookies and 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 it's not just about you know programmatic algorithms you know we're forced to get back to creating really good content and telling great stories. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. I actually think this is a this is a boon for the for the modern PR person. It's a big opportunity. It's uh, it's a really good point. It's something we we will be talking about a lot more over the next year because it's happening. It's happening now, and it will be. It's going to be a big topic. Fascinating yeah. stuff, Sean. And we'll get your take on some of the news stories this week because they do kind of revolve around uh, the, the, some of the things we were talking to you about, Frank. Um, the first story is is in the sort of comms tech space. It's Morning Console, which has secured some Series B funding, which values it at over a billion dollars, incredible valuation. That's right, putting it in the unicorn category, so Morning Consult, uh, which you might know from their surveys, but they do a lot of stuff uh, other than that. They have brought in a $60 million Series B funding round that puts them over the $1 billion valuation mark. Um, it's a relatively new company, I think, which is one thing that astonished me when I, I was reading about it. But it's it's less than seven years old, uh, and it was bootstrapped by uh, co-founder and CEO Michael Ramblett uh, with about thirty thousand dollars. So it's it's really remarkable growth in that time. What's the definition of unicorn in that context, Brian? It, the valuation is over a billion dollars okay. uh, for a startup. Yeah, yeah we've had uh, robots and unicorns, <laughs> <laughs> robots and unicorns. <laughs> I, um, I, I, lo- I love this, by the way, Frank, because there aren't many unicorns in the sort of marketing analytics space. Right. This is super exciting for me, obviously, for that reason. And, and I just would say that their growth and this story only reaffirms this continued importance of hard data for marketing decisions. And in the case of Morning Console, uh, it's actually a perfect example of AI and machine learning improving the fidelity of that data we now have access to. So this is this is so exciting for me. Yeah, and there was another deal this week, wasn't there, Sean? Uh, Social Chorus and Dynamic Signal announcing that they were going to merge. Well, talk to us a little bit about the, the comms tech space in general, because we've seen loads of deals, loads of mergers, partnerships. It's a hot space. But sometimes you see these deals, they happen, and then, the, frankly, they, they don't really mesh and they fall apart. And, um, the, and, and it's almost like the exit is the end of the game rather than the continuation of a narrative. How, what's your take on it all as, as a sort of a participant in the space and an observer of it? it? It's been very interesting. I mean, right, there's like a whole 
uh, a chapter just around scission and of course sort of the the build up and the conglomeration and then sort of the you know going public going private the sort of divestation right so that, that's like its own its own animal and then obviously you've got a you know, an, an interesting um, story happening with Meltwater, who's, you know, continued to to go down a, a you know, a really exciting path themselves. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's this, um, this sea of uh, sort of disparate point solutions out there. Um, and look, Onclusive is one of them right now, right? We've, we've got, we service a relatively, you know, um, focused area of the market, you know, uh, and, 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 and I think the challenge is, some of those solutions, you know, are are best of breed. They're built on the latest technology. Their architecture is is really flexible, and they're really able to sort of innovate and um, and and stay you know well ahead of the curve. Um, but then there's a whole host of other providers right now that you know aren't necessarily designed that way. They're maybe not technology first, uh, and it's it's very difficult for them to sort of adapt and evolve to a lot of these changes that we've been we've been talking about. So. So I, I, I personally envision more consolidation. There just has to be, right? Um, uh, but I do think that the, the players that are going to win in the consolidation game are the ones that are going to take a tech-first approach um, and, and really think about creating you know, platform solutions that will endure all of the disruption and all the innovation that's happening and actually really advantage from it and take advantage from it. And what's your end game, Sean? What do you what what do you aspire with Onclusive? Do you aspire to be snapped up by one of these big players, or do a merger, or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not really a uh, you know a, a something that we operate the business against right now. Our our mission really is to just create as much value as we can in the in the area of the market that we serve. Um, you know, we're we're insanely customer focused, uh, and so yes, we'll follow, yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and look, we believe that as long as we continue to, to create value and, you know, and the growth will come, which it has continuously year over year. Um, and then, you know, uh, we just want to always be in a position where we have the options to be able to, you know, build and develop and, and maneuver in the areas that we think are going to you know, deliver the most value for our customers. Frank, we uh, remember the days when adverts used to be used to take six months to create. They'd go and do a fancy film shoot in South Africa or some glamorous location. Now they're they're happening in seven hours, based on the, a user, a, a customer's idea. Tell us about this, this Wendy story. Yeah, this is a really cool uh, ad that Wendy's put together, like you said, very quickly. And what happened was uh, Wendy's was tweeted at. Uh, by the mother, Megan Jantos, the mother of a young kid named Julian, who claims to be Wendy's biggest fan. Uh, And he created sort of storyboards for his own Wendy's commercial called The Burger. Uh, And uh, it's a really fun thing that Wendy's put together. It's great. uh, The best part is Julian, the kid that drew this up, also has red hair, just like the Wendy's mascot, Wendy. So it's a terrific fit on a number of levels. Um, yeah. Sean, interested to get your take on this because they, they obviously would have had to use some sort of comms tech to notice this and then run it up the food chain real quickly. Uh, wh- what's your point of view on this? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's just a, a, a genius story. And I think, you know, probably in some ways foreshadows 
um, you know, uh, you know, how marketing, you know, is, is going to be done. And in some ways, you know, already is being done. And it's not the first time we've seen, you know, this type of media insight and, and of course, the integration of social media, you know, inspire things in near real time. Um, and, you know, most companies now, yes, the part of the reason why they have uh, software like Onclusives is the ability to very quickly detect and understand really what's behind uh, and what's impacting their, you know, their, 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 you know, from what's impactful from their media and be able to make very rapid decisions and, and, and adjust in a really agile way. And so part of, part of what makes a company successful, I think in this new era is the, the intelligence, right. Uh, which is where inclusive comes in, but uh, also the sort of operation and uh, resources and workflow to be able to act on that, right. Having that war room ready to go or having that creative team or having that production person, you know, who's, you know, part of their job is actually to, you know, not just, um, you know, build commercials over time, but to be able to react to real-time data. Uh, and sure, are, those, uh, are those war rooms more typically in-house at the client or at the agency or both of the above? I've seen both. I've, yeah. I've seen both, yeah. And, and oftentimes, regardless of where the, the physical war room, and, and obviously today there's not as much of a concept of a physical war room, they're virtual, um, but it usually is a combination of you know, the, the in-house team as well as the agency. Yeah. Okay, um, Frank, let's talk about workforce diversity. Omnicom um, released some overall workforce figures this week, which uh, had some interesting results. And there was a, a, a fascinating story about the American Airlines CEO who who ended up ten, attending the wedding of a, a flight attendant after a chat about uh, uh, diversity he'd had on a plane with her. Yeah, let me take this apart one by one. And uh, what I would say first is that this is this is a trend and that we are seeing holding companies diversity, work, workforce diversity numbers improve, but they're ticking up very slightly. Uh, and Omnicom is the latest holding company to release those. And of course, uh, Omnicom is the parent company of Fleischmann, Hillard, Ketchum and other Marina Mar and other firms. Um, but but they see a very slight uptick. And this is for the last six months of June 2020. But the percentage of black employees up by 0.4% at the executive manager level, 0.1% at the mid-manager level, 0.1% at the professional level, which is all other employees. Uh, you see you see pretty similar numbers for Asian American employees and things like that. Uh, and you see across the across the holding company. And the percentage uh, of women who work at Omnicom in the U.S. is nearly 50% at the executive level, nearly 60% mid-managers, and nearly 60% for the rest of the professional level. Now, these mirror numbers the Publicis Group uh, put out just a few days before. So again, we're, we're seeing this slight, slight increase in diversity last year. Um, in the first six months after a lot of holding companies put a, put in place various initiatives 
after the yeah. murder of George Floyd to, to improve their workforce diversity numbers. Frank, we've had Soon-Me Kim on the show from Omnicom um, and PR Group and uh, Emily Graham, who's the chief diversity officer over the whole group, was on uh, Coffee Break. But they're still not breaking it out into disciplines, are they? So they can't say, well, our PR firms are. Because I remember for our agency report, they, they declined to give their diversity numbers, which, you know, I thought was a little bit... Um, misguided to be honest uh, but they're still not doing that they're still not breaking them out like that i not that we have seen and not that they have made public in any way and i agree with you it's disappointing uh that they're not doing that and it, you know it, it's disappointing for us as journalists to you know we are trying to tell the story of of how these agencies are, and i think sincerely are trying to diversify their workforces and some of them are finding it a bit difficult and, um, you, you know, we're, we're trying to catalog this as it happens. So it's a frustration for us as journalists, too. Yeah, for sure. And then this sort of related story, the American Airlines CEO who, who was on a was he on a Southwest flight? But uh, the, the flight attendant saw a book he was reading on white privilege and they got chatting. And then a year later, he ended up attending her weddings. Kind of a nice. Yeah. And, and what's kind of heartwarming about it was, was she had no idea he was the CEO of American Airlines. She just knows his book, and he struck up a conversation with her about it. Her mother is actually uh, an American Airlines employee uh, at, I think, Reagan International in Washington. And, you know, they kept in touch. And I, it appears he got a lot of good advice from her. Uh, and they kept in touch. And a year later, uh, she gets married, and the CEO of American Airlines uh, goes to her wedding, so it's it's a it's a terrific story, and and you know these kind of conversations are are really what's needed, and yeah. folks like him who are in positions of power need to listen to people who have different experiences than he might have had, and and that's that's how progress starts. That's good to see him doing that, Sean. Yeah. Technology generally um, has not been synonymous with great diversity, whether whether in terms of gender or ethnicity. Um, how is the comms tech space in that regard? Because uh, I got to be honest, we put our dashboard twenty five list together, and it sometimes it is f- hard to find sort of non white male um, uh, pit names to put on that list. Yep. No. Uh, agreed, Steve. And, and yeah, obviously that's something that I think everyone is sincerely trying to you know to 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 move ahead on. I wonder whether some of the data you know there, Frank, that you're sharing, you know, is representative um, of sort of companies of different you know sort of shapes and sizes. Like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, we're a little bit smaller, obviously, than Omnicom here at Onclusive. Um, you know, I'd say we have probably a considerably different profile in terms of gender and ethnicity. Um, it also, we're a Silicon Valley based company and there's just generally between the markets that we, you know, we exist in, there's just, I think, generally more diversity. But, um, you know, uh, my feeling is that certainly some of the sort of earlier stage, um, you know, businesses like ourselves, um, you know, that are, you know, really relying on um, diverse input and backgrounds, I think you, you probably see a slightly different mix. Frank, uh, the president is on, I think it's his first overseas trip, isn't it? Um, first it is, yes. Anyway, and it's the G7 summit in Cornwall in the west of England, which is a lovely part of the world. But he uh, made his first uh, speech at RAF Mildenhall uh, yesterday, which was uh, interesting contrasts, shall we say, with the previous incumbent. Um, but also cicadas nearly, nearly delayed the whole thing. So t- talk us through it. <laughs> yes, yes. And he... Um... 
he also just did an appearance uh, with the CEO of Pfizer about um, the the number of doses the U.S. government uh, and other country partners are buying to donate around the world. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that that trip is off to a busy start. Uh, it was not off to a busy start for the press plane that was carrying journalists uh, overseas to cover uh, Biden's first trip abroad because it was delayed for a number of hours the other night after a swarm of cicadas filled the plane's engines and then caused mechanical issues, which is, was honestly pretty terrifying. Uh, it's like know. when a flock of birds flies into the, the it's, plane. So. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a very comforting thought. No. Uh, so they've also been blamed for at least one car crash and digestive issues in pets, which I don't want to get into in any uh, depth. <laughs> I know I know people are eating them. There's um, recipes for I, I guess you deep fry them if that's really they become a thing. delicacy yeah, in Brooklyn. Uh, not, not, not for me. In Park Slope, get them at the farmers market. Yeah. Well, the, the, I, I haven't seen them yet, um, but I've been told that if you're allergic to shellfish, you should uh, you should also avoid them, which I guess makes sense. But uh, if anybody wants to send us a review of what they taste like, I'm happy to take a look at it. And there's there's certainly an abundance. I, 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 what I'm I'm hearing is that there's billions, if not trillions, of cicadas coming uh, above the ground right now, and. I, 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 one of the most fascinating elements of that story related to the to the White House uh, uh, press trip was that there were so many cicadas that the the Doppler radar was actually picking them up uh, almost as as atmospheric. I mean, wow. it's just it's uncanny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we can dig into Biden's performance. So it was it was uh, interesting to see, you know, how how he he framed his speech. Obviously, as a military family. And talking about his son and talking about their um, empathy with military families and the, the you know the experiences they go through, it was very interesting. And um, I got to be honest, it was quite refreshing. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. So, but uh, that that we can say for another show, maybe. Just to finish, Frank, we've got acres of people moved. So, I mean, one, it seems to be a big trend, doesn't it? That, that we've been seeing many, many more people moves than normal, and it seems to be a trend. I don't know if it's easier to try to tap people when they're, they're working from home and you can have a quick 20, 30-minute conversation with them, but but just run us through the through them. Some pretty significant moves. Yeah, it seems like it is easier, and it seems like the executive job market is pretty hot right now. Um, new leader of corporate affairs at Bristol-Myers Squibb, uh, that's Michelle Weiss, who replaced Catherine Metcalf, who boomeranged back to CVS Health uh, earlier this year. Previously, guest on the podcast. That's right. She was previously General Secretary for North America uh, at Danone. Um, Impossible Foods Chief Communications Officer Rachel Conrad has stepped down from the company. Uh, she's been she had been there since the Impossible Burger was born back in 2016. Um, she's going to start a consultancy that works on, uh, that, that really works in the space of, um, um, non-animal based meat, plant-based meat, um, uh, environmentally friendly foods, things like that. Just sounds uh, like possible will be still be a client of hers in that, that, that consultancy. Yes. Um, Edelman has a new global chair of integration. That's Christoph. Becker. Um, and this is interesting considering all of the things that Edelman 
uh, has launched this year. You know, they launched that intelligence unit, uh, DXI. They launched that content studio, um, Edelman Studios. And, yes, in the Trust Institute. Very true. And so he, he part of his job is bringing all of these things together uh, for clients. He used to work at Gyro, the uh, or maybe it's Hero, depending on what... Uh, <laughs> That's well, another region you're from. That's another hardy perennial of the podcast, isn't it? The pronunciation <laughs> of that word, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So he comes over. He comes over from the B two B creative world. Interesting hire for Edelman. But um, friend, Michelle Anderson has left, hasn't she? That's right. That's right. Michelle Anderson has exited. Uh, exited Edelman. Hey Frank. Um, Frank okay. I, sorry, yeah. I was just going to remark on one thing here. What's interesting about the, the move here with Christoph Becker is. Um, he's not just the the new uh, head of integration. I believe he's the first integration executive within Edelman. I think this is actually an entirely new function for them, and the first time they're ever really going to attempt to do this type of integration. If I'm if I'm reading Sabrina Sanchez's piece correctly, you'd be correct. And yeah, it uh, it is a newly created role. Uh, yeah, so it's rather than hiring like 600 creatives and what have you, that they've not had a formal you know, function to, to bring those elements together before. Right. Uh, okay. Bunch of moves uh, over at Hotwire and the Narrow, its parent holding company. So Hotwire's North American CEO, Heather Kernahan, uh, has been named the new global CEO of Hotwire. Um, she is moving into the role vacated by Barbara Bates, who's moving into a new position, sort of scoping out possible acquisitions and other business moves. Uh, at the Australian-based holding company, Anero Group, uh, which, of course, Hotwire, very technology-focused firm, uh, is a part of. Hotwire also has new uh, leadership in North America, co-leadership, because it's Laura McDonald and Heather Kraft are going to be co-presidents uh, of North America, and they're reporting up to Heather Kernahan. So some interesting things happening there. And Heather and will be the guest on our podcast next week. That's right. Look forward to that. Um, Ogilvy has a uh, has appointed its former UK PR leader Matt Buchanan uh, to a global role heading consumer PR. Um, and this is interesting too because this is uh, Juliana Richter really building out her team uh, as Ogilvy PR's global chief executive. And of course, we we've been over how Ogilvy PR was was sort of you know pushed into. The more general Ogilvy will need to be pulled back out. Uh, it's like like the opposite of Al Pacino in Godfather Three. You know, they I've probably butchered that analogy. But well, we can we can put that to Juliana in two weeks because she's the guest. We can, yeah. <laughs> uh, and one more. So that is Jamie Radio. Uh, oh yes, yes. Well, two more then in that case. Uh, but let's start with Jamie Reggio, uh, who is the uh, new MD of U.S. healthcare uh, over at Golan, also a newly created position. She's overseeing 100 people um, in the U.S. So an interesting hire there. Last one, this time, I think, is Susan Howe is the new president of Weber Shanwick. Um, she previously had C-level roles uh, overseeing uh, integration and strategy. Um, she is uh, reporting up to Gail Hyman, the CEO of Weber Shanwick. Uh, no pressure at all for Susan since the last two people to hold the role of president of Weber Shanwick went on uh, to become CEO of the agency. 
<laughs> yeah, we wish her well, and she's current, she's being honoured uh, today on the Hall of Fame. So uh, well, happy record. So uh, yeah, yeah. Look, it's keeping you busy on the old news desk, isn't it? All these. It people. is. So uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting trends. Listen, we're out of time. So Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Great to chat and get your perspectives and find out what's going on at Inclus- Inclusive. And we uh, look forward to seeing how that uh, plays out. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And next time you're on, we'll both be robots and you'll you may, you may well be as well. <laughs> no, Frank will be a unicorn. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, one billion dollar unicorn. Um, all right. So, um, we, yeah, we, we've got the Hall of Fame events. Fantastic event, that real tribute to women in PR and uh, tremendous contributions over the last uh, 12 months and and. Uh, before that so do check that out on catch up if you're not uh, if you didn't watch it live um we're, we're talking about you've got another week on the purpose awards an extension to get your entries in for that so please do uh we want to purposeful work has been so important over the last 15 months so we want to uh case study the, the best work and have the all the top work um, competing for those awards um we're talking about 40 under 40 and uh, whether we might even have a physical event for that. So watch this space for, uh, that will be in October. And uh, we may well have some, we're starting, we're all starting to turn our thoughts towards uh, getting back together in person. We actually got together on Monday as a team for the first time in 15 months and we met some of the people like um, Betsy Kim, our reporter, I hadn't met her in person before just by having worked with her. So that, that, that was fun. I think everyone's going through that at, a mo- at the moment. So PR Decoded, and the Purpose Awards, there may well be a physical element to that as well. Um, but you've got another week to get your Purpose Awards entries in. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.